morning. It's good to be back in Tiffin. Um, a few weeks ago, it was way colder, uh, and it, I'm excited for today to get outside and enjoy it a little bit. Um, but it's good to be back. Um, we're going to continue on going through our series, going through the book of Luke this morning. And as we do, we're going to look at a parable in Luke 8, which a parable is just a short story with a powerful truth for a life. But we're looking at this parable called the parable of the sower. And again, it might be one that most of us in this room maybe have heard. Um, But before Jesus gets into that parable to help all of us understand where we are today, uh, Jesus is traveling around from one town to another town. And it starts out like this in chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. Uh, The twelve were with with them, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, who had been healed from seven demons, had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. And and the end of verse 3 is actually kind of unique. Because as we're going through this, this book of Luke, um, Luke is, is recording all these different eyewitnesses, right? And as he does that, he's putting these together so that w- for us today that we could sit and we could study through the book of Luke. And as we're studying it, we can, we can learn about the real Jesus. And, and so it's kind of unique in that way, but it's unique because in this, that in part of that verse, it says that here's these women who are sharing their possessions or giving their possessions to help with and support the ministry that was going on. And if you know anything about the first century, that you would know that uh, Luke shouldn't have included this in his, in his, in his storyline. Um, because women were looked at as second-class citizens. They were looked at as not even reliable witnesses. So he includes this um, because it's really what happened, right? It's, a, it's not just, uh, just a good story. This is really a true event that really happened. And so he's including this detail in there that is really unique because it really happened. Here's these ladies whose their life has been totally changed by Jesus and he is, they are supporting the ministry and what was going on. See, did God need... Uh, did he need their help? Well, the answer to that is easy, right? No, God doesn't, doesn't need their help, just like God doesn't need our help. God has no impossibilities. He, he can do anything, right? And if you remember in the Old Testament and in, in, in the story of uh, in Exodus, when Israel's leaving uh, Egypt, they, uh, God provides for them when they get to the Red Sea. He, he splits the Red Sea so they can walk across it, Right? Then, then they're wandering in the wilderness. And in the wilderness, what, what's going on? They start complaining. They're, they're hungry and they're wishing they were back, back in Egypt. And they're going, God, I'm, I'm just hungry and thirsty. And, and what does God do? He provides. Provides for them for food. And he provides water out of a rock that, that nourishes two, over two million people. God doesn't need us. But he allows us, just like he allows these ladies to support with the ministry that he is doing. He allows us to partner with what God is about doing and what he's about. It's pretty remarkable, right? He allows you and I to, to come alongside and be a partners with what he is doing in the lives of people. Love that, right? 
And as he's traveling and these ladies are there and the disciples, the 12 are with them, Jesus is going from one town to the next. And this is where we find this parable of the sowers, starting in verse four. It says this, as a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from every town, he said in a parable, a sower, which we know is Jesus, went out to sow his seed. We know later that's the word of God. So it says, a sower went out to sow his seed. As he sowed, <coughs> some seed fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds of the sky devoured it. Other seed fell on the rock when Rock, when it grew up, it withered away since it lacked moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Still other seed fell on good ground, and when it grew up, it produced fruit a hundred times what was sown, which is, if we just stop there for a second, that's actually a, a, a kind of, rem it's a miracle what Jesus is describing. For most people, when they went out to sow, what, there was, what would happen is the, if a, a good produce or good harvest would be three to four times more than what you've sown. It would be like, wow, that was a really good year. But 30, 60, 80, it was like incredible. They're like, wow, you got something going on that's really working. Hey, tell us the secret. What's the details? A hundred times more? You can know, you can just vision in the story when Jesus is telling this and he gets to this detail, everybody in the crowd starts to lean in a little bit because they understand the detail. They understand that there's this farmer, he's sowing the seed and, and, and out of it comes a hundred times more than what was sown. This was a miracle. This was shocking. They were like, okay, well, tell us, let's lean in. Let's hear what's going on. How's that possible? And as he says this, he says, it ends, verse eight ends, as he said this, he called out, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. This is a mic drop moment, right? Like this is where for me, man, I, one day I just wanna come up be able to speak uh, and, and just tell a really short story, parable, short story with the power of truth for your life. So I just want to tell a story and, and, and be able to get, tuck in there this real powerful truth for our lives and, and then just be like, hey, anyone has ears to hear, let them listen. And Mike drop and say, hey, see you guys, 10 minutes, we get out of here. We all would like that if Pastor Zach did that more often, right? Um, that would be so nice. Um, and... Uh, but there is a reason Jesus is doing that, right? Well, the, the statement there is kind of unusual because you're just like, well, everybody has ears. So is he just, well, why is he saying that? That's kind of a weird saying. He's saying, he's speaking in parables because of what a parable is a story with a familiar truth. He takes something that's really familiar but tucks in there's this deep, deep knowledge, deep, deep truth in it, Right? And so he tells the story of a farmer and it draws in the large crowd. It's a, in a way, it's a way to entertain them. Here's a good story. But also what it's doing is some, they just hear it for the good story that it is and others, they're leaning in and they really wanna know the deeper truth. See, it separates the crowd. It separates them. And, and so Jesus, what he was really, really great at is speaking hard truths, but in a, in a really soft way. 
You know, some of us, we're really bad at this, right? We're bad at it. Because, you know, what we're, we're good at, we just like to shoot from the hip, and we, we like to just say whatever's on our mind. And we're, we, we go, we kind of excuse it, because we know it kind of sounds a little rude and not really kind, and we excuse it because we're like, we're just speaking truth. You know, I'm just saying whatever I gotta say, because I'm just saying it however it sounds, because it's true. Here's the problem with that. What we do in that moment is we close the door, right? From the conversation to be able to continue, the door gets shut and the person that we're having this conversation with doesn't wanna continue to have the conversation. What Jesus models for you and for me is that, hey, you can use and speak truth in a really creative way because when we do that, guess what? It creates questions. Because there's some in the crowd that they have the ear to listen. They really want to know. Some, it, 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 they don't have any desire. They don't want to know. Right? But for some, they have the ear. They're inclined to listen. So he's telling them, hey, listen in. Hear the deeper truth. And what it causes the disciples to do is they ask questions. Look at it in verse nine, it says, then his disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? Like, help us out here. You're telling, talking about a farmer, what are we talking about? What is going on? What's the deeper meaning? What does it mean? So he says to them, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given for you to know, but to the rest it is in parables. So that, now he quotes out of Isaiah six, looking they may not see and hearing they may not understand what is he doing? Why does he speak in parables? Because when Jesus speaks in parables, he separates the fully devoted from just the crowd. He separates the fully devoted from the crowd. Who's the people that really are inclined to listen? They want to know, they want to know the deeper truth from just the people who are there just to hear the good story, just to be entertained. And as he goes on, it's a way for him just to say, I'm literally filtering through the soil to help you and I understand what ground, where, our, where we think our faith is, where is that planted? And this is a unique parable because Jesus goes on to explain it for us. Look at it, verse 11. It says, this is the meaning of the parables. The seed is the word of God. The seed along the path are those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the seed on the rock are those who, when they hear it, they receive it with joy. Having no root, these believe for a while and fall away in time of testing. As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, and pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. But the seed in the good ground, these are the ones, having heard the word with an honest and good heart, hold on to it, and by enduring, produce fruit. Here's a question that I want to kind of ask here, and I want to ask at the end this morning. Which soil best describes you? See, the first soil is the one that is the path. It's, the, it's been stomped down because it's the walking trail. 
You know, I, I think about this movie, like Jesus uses in the analogy in the parable of the birds come and they, devour, they take away the seed. I think about the, the home alone mo- moment where this, the crazy lady's out there and she's just throwing the seed and, and then and the birds are just flying all over the place. You guys know what I'm talking about? Or I'm just weird. Um, and, and that's true too, but um, they, just, they devour it. They take it away, right? And, and Jesus is like, think about this. Some of you, you the way you approach God is like, it's like the, the path. And we know people like this, that as soon as the, the seed or the word of God is thrown out or truth is thrown out or the gospel, that's the secrets of the kingdom that he mentions earlier. The secrets, the mysteries of the kingdom of God is the gospel, the good news. And, and so as soon as that's thrown out, that person, that's, their life is like the ones on the, the path as soon as they hear it, they just close the door. They don't want to continue the conversation. Like, as soon as the, as the invite to church comes up, they're like, no, 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 I yeah, I don't, I don't, I have no desire to go to church. Or as soon as, hey, we, we're trying to tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done, they're like, I, I'm good. I don't, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Like, we, we understand there's people like that, right? And, and we might know them or maybe, truthfully, there might, you might be that. That you're, the way Jesus is describing it, your heart is hardened towards the way of God. That you don't, you don't have any desire to obey him or follow him. That you're closed off. And the way he's describing it, as soon as that truth is coming in, so also is the lie of Satan. And it, the, the lie of Satan, they buy into it, they hold on to that rather than the truth. So that, that's the first soul. That could be, that could be us this morning. Or... Then the second soil is the rock. It's, it's the shallow faith or shallow soil. And it's the reason I describe it like that is because when it says the rocky ground, it literally, really is, there's a layer of topsoil, thin layer of topsoil, and right underneath that layer of topsoil is a bedrock, hard ground, rock. And, and that reason that topsoil is there is that in that, that layer of soil, it's very nutritious. It, it actually heats up from the sun quickly. And so uh, anything that a seed being planted on that, in that soil, it grows and sprouts up really fast. But the problem with that soil is that it doesn't remain. A storm comes, weather happens, and, and that plant is gone. Right, And so that person is the person that hears the message of Jesus and, and they receive it with joy. They're excited about it. They're like, Jesus is coming to the world to die for me. He loves me. Like, this is great. But they have shallow faith because they were, they were just inspired by the message. They weren't changed by the message, Right? They were inspired by the message of who Jesus is and what he's done, but they haven't put their full faith, trust, hope in Jesus. Shallow, it's not, Jesus is not teaching here that you, you are, you, this person was saved and then they lost their salvation. Jesus is teaching here, this person was never saved. They had no roots because, and, and because of that, they had no fruit. See, this person was the person that they, when they heard the message and they were inspired by the message of Jesus, which it, it is the most inspirational message on the planet. 
Here's Jesus, the savior of the world. He's the hero and he, what does he do? He dies for the, the villains. There's nothing more inspirational than that. But when they heard the message of Jesus, what they heard is, when I follow Jesus, everything's easier. Everything gets easy. And when the person gets sick that they love or someone passes away or they lose their job, they go, whoa, this isn't easy. This isn't what I signed up for. I thought following Jesus made everything easy and, and everything better and everything's gonna, there's all, everything's gonna be great. That's never what God says, Right? He never promises that to you and I. He doesn't say, hey, if you follow me, no one's ever gonna get sick. He never says, if you follow me, hey, everything's gonna get easy. He actually says the opposite. If you follow me, the world's gonna hate you. But he also promises us, and, and we, many of us can attest to this, life following Jesus is not always easy, but it's always better. Because God promises us, even in the hardest times, he will provide for us. That he's always working. He's always providing. He's always doing something for our good, creating and working it all out. We just might not see it. And we might not fully understand it. But he is. See, the person with the shallow faith, they... they soon as quickly as they heard that message they were excited about it. they got they got signed up for baptism they got signed up for fight club they got signed up for home groups but as quickly as they looked like they were in they were out and we see people like that all the time right they walk in the doors they hear the message man that person i think they get it as quickly as they came it seems like they left because why? Because it was shallow faith. It wasn't real faith. Look at verse 14 with me in the next soil. It says, as for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches, pleasures of life, and produce no mature fruit. This, is, this probably describes most people. And honestly, and, and this is, Again, someone who never truly understands what it means to follow Jesus. And they, they compete with their, what they think there is their relationship with Jesus. They allow all this other stuff to compete with him. It's like this. A few years ago, um, my mom and dad, they got several acres of land. And uh, they put in this big garden. A big garden. And uh, I got three sisters, all older than me, and they called us. And one of my sisters, her husband's a chaplain in the army. And so they're, like right now, they're in Germany. And so they offered to two of my sisters and I, uh, hey, do you want a section of the garden that would be yours? So you get, the, you get anything for it. You take care of it. It's your garden. It's all the stuff that comes out of it, the produce. That's all yours. And, and Two of my sisters, they, they go, yeah, we're in. And they live five minutes from my parents' house, so it's really easy for them. I live about half an hour, so I was thinking in my mind, I'm going, fresh produce. Sounds pretty nice, right? And like the, the, with the, the way things are going, two little kids, I'm thinking, hey, it would be good just to save some money and get some, something that's fresh. So let's, let's do this. Uh, my older sister, Christy, was at the store getting stuff for 
her section, you know, strawberries, tomatoes, and all, you know, beans and all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, Christy, just uh, here's the thing. Just double everything you're doing, you know, uh, double it up and I'll do it. You know, I'll do it the same way because they spent time, like hours of time researching how to have the best garden possible. And I'm like, yeah, that's not for me. Um, I'm not spending any time. I'm, I'm in for like, hey, do the, about as minimal of work possible and get the most amount from it. And we all know how that probably goes. Because is there any garden people in here? Few, few garden people, like first service today, there was like, it was like, wow, you guys are, you get, they were a little mad at me, I think. Um, garden people. Second service was about like this. Um, but I went into it. I, I, my sister got the, the stuff together, and I, I went to, showed up at my mom and dad's house, and I, I took care of my section of the garden. There, there's one section that was my sister's, then there's mine, there's one of my other sisters, and then my, this huge section was my mom and dad's. And showed up, planted everything. It looked great. And then I just walked away. And I was like, let's see what happens. Um, And uh, I came back because every once in a while we go out to my mom and dad's for like uh, a Sunday afternoon dinner. And there's a bunch of little kids and cousins and they have a great time. And uh, so I went out to see my my garden, my section, you know, see where we're at on this thing. I I kid you not. It was was, maybe... It was embarrassing looking at it because it was, like, beautiful. Like, there's stuff everywhere over here. It's great. And then there's my sister's stuff. I was like, wow, look at that. And there was mine. And my one sister was like, your garden's killing my garden because my garden was filled with just weeds. Like, I was just like, there's, I, 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 what I thought was going to get fresh produce, I just got, like, I need, need a weed whacker. Like, let's get rid of this thing because this thing is pointless. That's some of our faith. It's not in the right thing. See, Jesus, we're, we're told in scripture that God is a jealous God, that he, he, he says that we should have no other gods before him. It's not because there's other gods, right? Because he's the one true God, right? But the, what we do in our life is we make all this other stuff our small g gods. We worship it. And we do this all the time. We worship our job, we worship our family, and, and it's not necessarily in bad things. We just put them on the same level that it's supposed to be God. We're supposed to be fully devoted to him, worshiping him, and we put all this other stuff equal to him. And the danger for some of us, especially parents, uh, the scary thing is who that affects is your kids. Like as a student pastor that's been doing that for almost a decade now, I, I, I watch all the time, all the time. This ground, this soil is most students, which terrifies me because they're the future of the church. And, and you know why they're in this ground? Because what is modeled to them, not at church, but what is modeled to them at home is this soil. Is that Jesus, yes, yeah, he should be your savior. He should be your God. But you know what? All this other stuff, it's important too. And it it is important, but it cannot be our savior. It cannot be our God. And so we allow church to go away or church to become an option, right? 
And as church is an option, we think, because we would never say this stuff is just as important as Jesus. We would, no one in here would do that. But what we model to our kids is that. Is this stuff can be, hey, church is important when it's convenient. And what you are showing your kid is that they will be slowly choked out. Their faith. Why when they're in college? Why when they're in their 30s? Why are they no longer walking their faith? Because it was always rooted in something that was shallow and not him. Just being honest, it's what I watch all the time. Is we allow sports, we allow superficial or anxious hearing of the word of God to be our savior, to be our God instead of the one true one. In fact, it's, it's again, they hear the message or we hear the message of, of Jesus and we're inspired by it. But we are, it's the same level of inspiration that we get when we hear a movie and we watch a movie. Like if you're like me, I watch like an action movie not, uh, and, and you probably understand this. I watch an action movie and I'm thinking, if any dude just walks in right now, to my house, like they're, they're gonna be sorry, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm motivated. I've now learned all the secrets of war and combat. Like there's no way anybody's coming in and dominating this house. Like I'm winning, right? And, and because, and, but the way we get motivated by watching a movie and we get all the goosebumps and we're like, wow, this is great. Some of us, that's like our faith, right? Like it, we get motivated sometimes even more to those movies than we are to the person of Jesus, and that's, to me, a, a scary reality, and maybe for some of us, a self-evaluation, is that us? Because what we all probably hopefully desire is, hey, I want to be planted in the good soil, right? I want to be the one planted in the good soil. Remember, it's the seed in the good ground. These are the ones, having heard the word of God with an honest and a good heart, hold on to it and endure, producing fruit. So how do you know if you're in the good ground? How do you know if your faith is planted in the good soil? Well, you hear the word with an honest, good heart. So here's the first question. How do you know if you're planted in, the good, in good soil? Do you, when you comes to hearing God's word, whether that's in your personal time or whether that's here in, on a Sunday morning or whether that's on a, in a class setting, Bible study, when you hear the word of God, do you hear it with an honest and good heart? How do I know if I hear it with an honest and good heart? Because there's gonna be things all the time that happens in scripture that are contradictory to the things that we are doing in our life, right? Like we, we are not all, we, we all didn't grow up with the complete knowledge of, of what is fully in this book. So we can all learn and grow. Like even guys like Zach, who's, a smart guy, he doesn't know even a close to all of the, what's in this book, right? Just because you have a title doesn't mean you, you have more knowledge all of a sudden. But do you hear it with an honest, good heart? So if something's coming up in, the, in God's word that is contradictory to your life, the way you're living, so you're living in sin, does it match up to the way do you hear it with an honest, good heart? Do you want to obey it because you want to obey him? You want to obey Jesus? 
Do you hear the word of God with an honest and good heart? Second way do you, that you can know that you're planted in the good soil, do you see the evidence, the fruit? Like in Galatians chapter five, it, it, it talks about that the fruit of the spirit at the very end. So it could be something this week where you just go and look at Galatians 5, the very end, and look at this list of the fruit of the spirit and go, is, does that describe me or not? And if it doesn't describe you, it, it, it could be that you aren't planted in the good soil. Because earlier in Galatians 5, it says that if you are led by the spirit, that's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, opposes the things of the flesh, opposes the flesh. And we all have fleshly desires, but if we're being led by the Spirit, there should be this, this little battle going on in us, right? Because in Galatians 5, it says that for those that aren't led by the Spirit, that don't have God's Spirit, that they practice and, and he goes on to list off different sin. How do you know if you're being led by the Spirit? Because we don't make practice of sin. That when we find ourselves disobeying God, that there's a, God's Spirit is leading us to know, hey, this is not my best for you. See, from the very moment that we come to know Jesus, where we are inspired by the message of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. It doesn't just stay at the inspiration level. It goes and goes to this next level of transformation. You, you go from being inspired hearing about Jesus to being totally transformed by him. Because at the moment you trusted in Jesus, right? Well, the few things happen. You become justified with God. When you cry out to God and you go, God, I want you to become my Lord, my Savior, my God. The only one, not, nothing else. I don't want to be competing with you. You're number one. You're my Lord. You're my God. When we do that, God tells us we are justified or declared right with God. In that moment, you're forgiven of all your sin, past, present, future. And also in that moment, God's spirit comes and makes his home inside of you. His spirit does. And then he begins to lead you and shape you and mold you through his word into who he's calling you to be. Because there's a process, big churchy word, sanctification, which just means a process where you're becoming more holy or becoming more like our savior So do you have the fruit? Right, or you're just here to be inspired or you're here to be transformed by our God. Another question for you, how do you know you planted in the good soil? Well, it's if, if you hear, hear the word in, with an honest and good heart, do you see the evidence, the fruit in your life? And three, do you honestly care for the lost? See, Jesus goes from this first parable, the parable of the sower, to go to this next parable. And in verse 16, it says this, no one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a basket or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a lampstand so that those who come in may see its light. For nothing is concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known and brought to light. Therefore, take care how you listen. 
For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. See, what he's going on to say here is that the world around us, they're pursuing all these earthly pleasures. And in doing that, they build up their earthly kingdoms. And the Bible tells us as they do that, they, what, they, what happens as a result is that they forfeit their soul. See, they're walking around in spiritually in darkness. The world is walking around in spiritual darkness, and we're called to be the light. Called to be sitting up on a, on a shelf so that those who are walking around in darkness can see the light. They can see our Savior. What is the most attractive thing when you're walking in darkness? It's the light. You head towards the light because you know it's safe. You can see there. And so you head towards it. You gravity, everything puts or turns you to it, right? How do we know our life is planted in the good soil? Because we honestly care about the lost. We want people to come to know Jesus. Do you think about the parable of the sower? And I, I was thinking about this this week. What a weird story, right? That here's this farmer, and you just listen to it as a story. This guy is so, he's terrible at farming. He's, he's, he's farming just what it seems to be recklessly. He's just throwing the seed anywhere and everywhere over all different types of ground. When he could just find the good soil and only plant there. Why does, he, why does he sow the seed everywhere? Over all four different kinds of soil. Because the message of who Jesus is and what he has come to do is not for just some. It's for all. And you know what's really cool? Is you know how Jesus planted and, and if we're in here and we're, we're in the good soil... What was the result is supposed to be fruit coming out of our life? And see, what happens is it's this parable is a cycle where we are then called to be the, the sower. If we've been planted in the good soil, then we are called to sow the seed. We're not called to save. We're not, we're, that's not our job. That's his job, right? He's going to do that. We're called to be faithful and sow the seed. And we're not called to just sow in certain places. We're called to sow it everywhere. Do you really care about the lost? When was the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you invited somebody to church with you? Because if, you, if, it, if it's been a long time, could it be you really don't care? Because you're really not planted in the good soil? Or for some of us, we just need to be woken up. See, as Jesus is talking the, giving these two stories, his mom and his brothers come up. And look at verse 19. It says, Then his mother and brothers come, came to him, but they could not meet with him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. But then he replied to them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear and do the word of God. That is so important because for some of us, that's going to challenge where we are in our theology when we walked in this morning. See, Mary and Jesus' brothers, they needed to hear the word. 
just like you and I need to hear the word. We need to hear the word. They need, she needed, Mary needed a savior. Jesus' brothers needed a savior. They needed saving, and the one who just oddly could save them was their, her son or their brother. Needed saving. She had to come to the point, just like you and I need to come to a point of surrendering, humbling our life under his authority and his rule. Mary had to do that. What was unique? How, does, how do we know Mary was planted in the good soil, though? Because Jesus is saying, she's, not, she's the one, she's a part of those who have heard. And guess what? She does the word of God. They do the word of God. Here's the last question. How do you know you're planted in the good soil? Do you, do you hear the word of God with an honest, good heart? Do you see the fruit? Do you see the evidence in your life? Do you care about the lost? And lastly, are you a, do you do the word of God? Do you do, actively do what God says? Because James writes that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, that we should be doers of it. So are you a doer of the word? As I was studying this week, came across this illustration. I think it's fitting to what, where we are this morning. Do you know why a sunflower is called a sunflower? For, for, if you're like me, I, I was thinking, well, no, duh, because it looks like a sun, right? And I'm like, this is easy. Like, this is like elementary. Like, let's get this beyond this. Like, this is so simple. It looks like the sun. And I, I was wrong. Um, and uh, the reason a sunflower is called a sunflower is because the face of the sunflower always faces the sun. So as the day goes by, as the sun moves, moves the face of the sunflower looks at the sun. So I was like, okay, that's pretty unique. And because in Hebrews 12, 2, what does it say in Hebrews 12, 2? It says, fix we, the ones that are planted in the good soil, we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter of our faith. That as we are going through the day, what should we constantly be doing? Fixing our eyes on our Savior. Remembering what he has done for us. You know why it does that? The sunflower looks at the sun? Because as it looks at the sun, the rays of the sun heats up the pores of the sunflower, which allows bees to come in and pollinate and then creates more sunflowers, right? Think about this. As we are called to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, perfecter, perfecter of our faith, what should be the result of we running towards God with the honest and good heart? It's the fruit. We should see fruit in our life. What is the fruit? What, what does that look like? It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And we can go on, right? As we see the fruit of the Spirit, what, what do we desire? To see people come to know Jesus. To see our Savior for who he is and what he has done for us. And what do we want to do? We want to do the word of God. So here's the question, what soil are you planted in? What soil describes you? Are you the, the first one? You're the path? 
And if you are, hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. And my, my, my challenge to you is just to continue to come. Continue to come as we look at the, the real Jesus, investigating him. Continue to come because guess what? God has more for you than you can ever imagine. He has a purpose and plan for you, whether you realize it or not. And he loves you. If, you, if you're somebody that you would go, man, I'm, I'm one of the people in the middle, the middle two soils. Here's my ask for you that you would no longer allow something to compete with Jesus in your life, that you would fully surrender your life to Jesus. And you might go, I don't know all that. I want to know more questions. We all do. We all don't have all the answers. Fully surrender your life over to Jesus, humbly surrendering. Go, God, I'm giving you all of me, and watch what he does with you. And lastly, if we're in the good soil, doesn't mean we're not going to struggle. doesn't mean that we're not going to have hard times and storms might come. But we need to be reminded to hear the word, right, with an honest, good heart. We need to be reminded and take a self-evaluation to see if the fruit of the Spirit are, is, identifies us. Does that look like me? Because if it doesn't, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a warning sign that something's going on. If you don't see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, there's something that's missing. Something's going wrong. Do you care about the loss? When was the last time you honestly went and shared your faith or invited somebody to church? Are you doer of it? Because we don't just come Sunday to Sunday to be inspired, right? We come to be transformed by our Savior. If you guys would, stand with me and let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the opportunity to come and, and just spend time in your word today. And God, we're grateful for what you have done for us. We're grateful for your son, for his work on the cross and the gift that he offers to all of us in this room of salvation, Lord. And we thank you for that. And we pray for those of us who have, have made the decision to follow you with our life and that you are our Lord, you are our God, you are our Savior, that we would be challenged this morning to be closer to you, to fix our eyes on you, that we would not just come to check off our to-do list on a Sunday morning, but we'd come to be transformed by your word and by your spirit, Lord. God, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us. Because of that, we love you here at Grace. We praise you in Jesus' name, amen. See you guys next week.